as we continue in our series in Mark. This morning we are in Mark chapter 9, verses 38 through 41. Mark chapter 9, 38 through 41. Please listen carefully to the holy, infallible word of God. John said to him, teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name and we tried to stop him because he was not following us. But Jesus said, do not stop him. For no one who does a mighty work in my name will be able soon afterward to speak evil of me. For the one who is not against us is for us. For truly I say to you, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you belong to Christ, will by no means lose his reward. Let's pray. Our Lord and our God, the, even as we are here this morning, Let us be hearing the words of our Savior as he himself is training his disciples. Help us also to be taught. Give us hearts that are willing to receive the teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ, whom we proclaim that we believe. We ask your direction upon our hearts. In Christ's name, amen. Do people really wish to learn? Do people really wish to learn? Do they really wish to be taught? Some people have no interest to learn the elementary elements of functioning in society, the classic three R's, reading, writing, and arithmetic. An extreme problem in public education in our nation. Some people only want to spend the minimum time of learning to get by in society. Some people are only interested in learning in areas of their own specific self-interest. In some ways, this can be understood. <laughs> Since one's self-interest may, may be the focus of pursuing a future vocation. Then there are those who love learning. They cannot get enough information into the encyclopedic vastness of the world around them. But the love of learning does not mean that a person is really comprehending what they are being taught. 
This point is definitely holding true for the disciples so far in Mark's gospel. Mark is clearly outlining in his gospel that they are not comprehending the teachings of Christ about himself and about his kingdom. From a human perspective, in view of this failure, it is amazing that the disciples are still even following Jesus. However, because of God's providential hand, is upon their lives and hearts. They do not leave Jesus and return to their former lives. So once again, in Christ's movement towards Jerusalem, in his final destiny on earth, the disciples this time, in the person of John, the person of John, are upset about a person who is not among Jesus' hand-picked disciples casting out demons. Verse 38 of our text. On this occasion, it is a certain strange individual person who has cast out demons in the name of Jesus. How on earth is this happening? Of all people, John is expressing his concern to Jesus, addressing him ironically as teacher. John, whom we will learn from his own gospel that he is the disciple whom Jesus loved. John, who will write a beautiful gospel that will express the intimate love that Jesus and his children will come to know as part of their expression of faith and eternal life. Yes, even this John is not understanding what Jesus is teaching in his sacred classroom. Even John is not comprehending the profound, insight of the humility that Christ just tried to register upon the disciples' hearts. Jesus had just sliced apart their prideful argument about who is, who is the greatest disciple with an illustration of what it means to live the life of the gospel of self-denial being a servant to others. And yet John now speaks up with a prideful statement about how the disciples as a group are essentially greater than anyone outside their inner circle. Again, are you engaged in the genius of Mark's gospel. The movement here is from an argument among the disciples as to who is individually the greatest among themselves to a statement in which the disciples as a group try to prevent 
They try to stop and forbid a person who is not within their select group of following followers of Jesus to cast out demons in Jesus' name. Yes, we the disciples, explains John. We're, we are the privileged chosen followers of Christ. Not this strange person. He has no right to cast out demons. Furthermore, could there be an element of envy and jealousy among the disciples? Again, do not miss the context of this discussion raised by John on behalf of all the disciples. Remember, did we not just witness that the disciples were not able to cast out the demon in the Father's Son? Chapter 9, verses 14 through 18. Remember, their own assumed power of authority got in the way of the humility of prayer to cast out that demon. In contrast, Christ responded with compassion to the prayer-like statement of the Father to cast out the demon in his Son. Well, now the disciples see this strange man casting out demons when they had failed. They had failed. How can this be? How can this be? John even makes the statement that this man, whoever he might be, there's no name here given, you'll see, performed the act in the name of Jesus. <laughs> Whoa! John has the nerve to admit that the stranger casts out demons in the name of Jesus. Let's see if we've got this right. <laughs> Let's see if we understand this. If we re-examine Mark's text about the disciples' failure to cast out the demon in the Father's Son, there is absolutely no mention in their argument with the scribes that they, the disciples, invoked the name of Jesus Christ. And yet now, John has the gall to mention that this strange man is invoking the name of Christ and the exorcism is exorcised. The demons come out of a possessed person. Indeed, the classroom education of the disciples, it's not progressing very well. <laughs> John and his fellow disciples are still not getting the point of the entrance of Jesus Christ into the creation as the king of the kingdom of God. Well, let Jesus himself 
explain what's going on here. Most likely, what Christ is about to teach will only frustrate their learning curve, the learning curve of the disciples even more. Jesus immediately counters their, att their attempted action of stopping the strange man from casting out demons in his name. Jesus says in the imperative, do not stop him. For no one who does a mighty work in my name will be able soon afterward to speak evil of me. Verse 30, 39. Let us highlight two points in this very important verse, as we look at verse 39. First, the issue of stoppage. As we have noted, let us emphasize more strongly now, the literal Greek here can be translated that John and his fellow disciples tried to prevent, hinder, forbid this man from casting out demons in Jesus' name. If the disciples thought they had exclusive authority of Jesus upon them, meaning that if they raised their voice to forbid an attempt to stop someone from doing an act of, in Jesus' name, that person would be compelled to follow their request. After all, they are the disciples of Jesus, not you, the strange man. You need to follow what we tell you to do. That's the idea. But to the disciples' utter amazement, this was not the case. Whoever the strange man is, in contrast to the disciples, he is a person who has come to grasp by faith the essential mark of the gospel presented in the person of Jesus. The confrontation and the defeat of Satan is by the victorious name of Jesus and his kingdom, the arch enemy of the triune God. O oh, Church of Christ, the disciples are being taught in the providence of Christ's earthly ministry a preview, a preview of what life as a follower of Christ in the church will look like as Christ is resurrected and ascended. As God pours out his Holy Spirit on the life of the church and her officers in the church, many strangers to the original disciples will share the gift of Jesus' name to demonstrate Jesus' most powerful authority over Satan, his comrades, and his kingdom. These voices who will be given the power, 
power in Jesus' name to perform these mighty works will not. Those who have these mighty works in their hand in Jesus' name will not, will not speak evil of Jesus. Verse 39. Indeed, the disciples must presently be taught about the future maintenance of the good news into the world, that those who are not against them is for them. Verse 40. There are only two kingdoms in the world, only two spiritual kingdoms that exist in the world. The kingdom of God versus the kingdom of Satan. What is Jesus teaching the disciples? What is Jesus teaching all of us in this text this morning? Let me ask you, let me ask you, what defeats the kingdom of Satan for the children of the triune God? What defeats the kingdom of Satan for the children of the triune God? Think of it now in the context of this specific, this specific text. It is the unity of the body of Christ. Did you hear that? The unity of the body of Christ. Not only here in our text, but also going forward into the apostolic church and the life of the church until the second coming of Christ. More specifically defined, it will be the unity of those who confess with their lips and believe in their hearts that the self-identity and the self-consciousness of the, of the Jesus revealed in the gospel is the only person and kingdom that defeats every ounce of Satan's person, power, and presence in fallen humanity and in the creation. This brings us to the obvious second point we want to highlight in terms of verse 39. John even admits that this strange man is casting out demons by the name of Jesus. And disciples are not processing in their minds what Jesus has already shown to them and taught them. We can cry out here ourselves if we know the process here in Mark's gospel. Come on. <laughs> we can cry out. Come on, disciples. Do you not recall Jesus' response to the scribes who came to challenge him from Jerusalem, who accused Jesus of casting out demons by the power of Beelzebub? Back in chapter 3, verse 22. Jesus clearly demonstrated the nonsense of their logic in that situation. Why would Satan cast out Satan? 
After all, Jesus pointed out to those scribes that a kingdom cannot be divided against itself. And a kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. Chapter 3, verses 25 through 26. Congregation, please pause for a second at this point and think about the failure of the disciples to learn from the word spoken by Jesus and the actions performed by Jesus. A kingdom cannot, a kingdom cannot in this situation be divided against itself. It cannot stand. In the specific case of our text this morning, we have already noted the pride and jealousy in John and his fellow disciples about the strange man being able to cast out demons. But as their sinful hearts of pride and jealousy get in the way of praising God for this strange man casting out demons by the name of Jesus, there is something else blocking their hearts from celebrating the triumph of Jesus' name over Satan's kingdom by the strange man. What could that be? Could it be faith? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. That is definitely present, as Mark has outlined clearly throughout his gospel, and it is into our text this morning. But there is something more being exposed in the troubled hearts, in their troubled hearts by Mark. What would this be? They have failed to live out of the word spoken by Jesus and the event performed by Jesus. I don't want you to miss this. Because this is the power of the Christian life. Living out of the word of Christ and the activity of Christ. You must see this. The name Jesus and all that it means in terms of Jesus' self-identity as the anointed Messiah, the Christ, and the authority and the power he brings against the kingdom of Satan, both in word and in deed, must be what transforms a sinner's heart out of the domain of pride and jealousy as faith embraces the Jesus of history. Every non-Christian, every non-Christian denies the work of Jesus in history 
preeminently. Preeminently. And Christians who make Jesus Christ and religion just a mere subjective experience are destroying also the Jesus of history. There is no Christian faith or religion without the birth, ministry, death, resurrection, and ascension of Christ in history. There is no faith in Jesus Christ in your heart unless you embrace every word spoken and every action performed by Jesus in your heart. What would solve the problem of John and the disciples right now concerning their self-centered pride and jealousy as they observed this strange man casting out demons? What would solve their present state of angst is to remember and to live Jesus' words, precipitated by Christ's actions to the Jewish scribes. A kingdom divided against itself can not stand. Those words to the Jerusalem scribes are the prescription that Jesus places before John and the disciples in our text in this way. Don't miss the connection there in verse 40. A kingdom, excuse me, for one who is not against us is for us. In other words, yes, a kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. The strange man casting out demons and you, the disciples, must, must be understood as a unified body doing the activity of Jesus' kingdom solely, solely by the power of Jesus' name. Oh, the power in Jesus' name, both in word and deed, is the sole means of triumph over the, over the kingdom of Satan by the kingdom of God. This is Jesus, whose name, remember my name, whose name means Savior from the deceit and the lies 
that are perpetrated by Satan himself. Oh, congregation, Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the name which Peter confessed and has not yet penetrated the depths of his own soul. This point about Peter is also true, as you can see here, with John and the other disciples. Even the disciples can't stop the power of Jesus' name performing his saving acts of redemption for his people, for the formation and the preservation of the church. As John addresses Jesus as teacher at the beginning of our passage, Jesus definitely uses this opportunity to teach the disciples more about what does it mean to be a disciple, transitioning to becoming his apostles in the early church. Look at verse 41. Look at verse 41. In Jesus' continuing patient admonition of his followers. This verse is pushing their existence again at this point beyond their present understanding of what lies ahead in their lives. Notice this is the first passage in Mark's gospel that Jesus himself uses the term Christ. The first time in Mark's gospel that Jesus uses the term Christ with respect to himself using it here in the context when the disciples and the church will truly know that Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is God's special chosen anointed one to save sinners from the domain of Satan. Jesus has been teaching and stressing the viewpoint of being servants. The life of a true disciple and follower of Jesus in, in this world is a life of self-denial. Well, look at what is coming to you, you, the disciples. Look what's coming and is going to happen to you in the future. Fellow believers in the name of Christ are going to share with you a cup of water. A cup of water. Known as an Eastern act of courtesy and hospitality. Yes, those future believers in Christ will act as servants to you when you as disciples all become apostles. Yes, as you as disciples and apostles act as servants, bringing the good news to the world, you will be served by fellow believers with a cup of water. 
please hear this next statement for us as a church here as well. Servanthood begets servanthood in Christ's kingdom and church. Servanthood begets servanthood in Christ's kingdom and church. This is how people united in the gospel of Jesus Christ, in Christ's name, act towards each other. Yes, this is how we act for the one who is not against us is for us. And those who show such love Kindness, service, courtesy, hospitality to fellow believers in Christ will not lose their reward. Note the text. A reward of merit before God? Oh, no. (laughs) Heaven stops. Heaven forbids Heaven prevents such merit. Why is it not merit? Because servanthood is rewarded only in the name of Jesus the Christ, who is blessed and glorified only in the service of a unified, a unified church to one another. Let us be unified in Christ's name to one another in this congregation. Let it be a light unto the world. Let us pray. Our Lord and our God, we are so thankful for Christ's servanthood unto us. It is just not an example. It is the power of salvation. It is the power of salvation to be expressed in how we serve and treat one another in the body of Christ. So we ask, O Lord, that thy spirit would continue continue to convict us in our hearts concerning how we may be that which lives out of the word and activity of Christ in history. Bless us. Nourish us. Take us forward as a powerful, as a powerful voice and action in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen.